Welcome to the Batcave, or superhero stuff you should know. This is Ben of the Ben Cave, aka the man who knows too much about Batman, and with me, as usual, is my co-host. Journey into Andrew's mystery. <laughs> <laughs> That's my butt. Yes. <laughs> so here we are. You have to take are. a whole forest road just to get there. <laughs> it is a long and winding <laughs> road. That not and many. epic Danny Elfman choir music that plays whenever yeah. you try to drive to it. The whole way down, actually. I've heard that. It's just, <laughs> just everyone says the same thing. Gotcha. So, so, yeah. We've ranked the Arkham Asylums for Halloween. We ranked the Batmobiles, the Batsuits. Now this is our first ranking since the release of the Batman. And we're going to rank the Batcaves. A lot of people have their debates on their favorite Batmobiles, favorite Batsuits. I haven't really seen much on anybody's favorite Batcave, so this is going to be an interesting one, slightly off the wall for us, but I thought we would uh, go back a little bit to the rankings, you know, give us something that's a little bit more of a chill thing, given how extensive our coverage of the Batman had to be the last couple weeks. So It's not too off the wall for us, I think. Yeah, it's, it's not pretty, too off the wall. Pretty but, on brand. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> off the wall in terms of like you our usual rankings are things that i see a lot of people trying to rank and this one i'm just like i don't think i've ever seen people really rank the bat caves that much so this is kind of this is kind of new i don't i don't even really know what people's you know people have their own favorite batmobile you know a lot of people right. love the burton one they love the tumbler their favorite bat suits obviously a lot of love to afflex but i've never heard like one that's like oh this is the supreme bat cave you know uh, yeah, and some bat caves can be disappointing, like in Nolan's. Yes, well, we'll go into that, so... You know? Uh, we'll continue the ranking <laughs> series and give our thoughts on this, but first we'll go over a brief history of the bat cave in comics before diving into the ones in live action. So, let's dive in. So, we right. have the first look at a headquarters of Bruce Wayne. This is from Detective Comics number 33, the same issue where we got the original origin of Batman in it. So this is from the main story by Gardner Fox and Bob Kane, and we get a first glimpse of Bruce's secret headquarters. He, it says it presses a panel, and part of the wall slides away, and he goes inside, and it's basically just a little room with a secret laboratory and a bunch of filing cabinets. That's about it so far. <laughs> Starting off small. burners. Yes. They had to uh, start somewhere, though. You can't start exactly. out with a giant penny. No, like, not yet. You need a story behind that. Yep. Although that's really the most fully fleshed out a bat cave is the one with a big ass penny and yep. t-rex in there yep and the joker card so and the joker card for the love of god for here we have file cabinets instead which he uses to look up the villain of that uh, pretty much of that story so that was the first time but it sort of expanded a little later so in batman number 12 years later 1942 bill finger again comes in and says like well what if he had an underground headquarters that was a little bit more expansive so here we have art by Bob Kane, Jerry Robinson, and George Russos, and it's the quote-unquote Batman's secret underground hangars. It's not called the Batcave yet, just the secret underground hangars under the quote Wayne home here. So we have, for those who are listening in and haven't seen the visual of it, it says basically the Wayne home, and then there's a secret laboratory within the Wayne home, which is probably what we saw <laughs> in Detective Comics 33, but then there's the secret elevator that goes underground and that's where we get the early the early hangers, the early Batcave here. So it just says repair and workshop in this one area. And then we have these little areas for the vehicles. So the Batmobile garage, the Batplane hangar, 
And for whatever vehicle he chooses to go out with, it goes up on this winch all the way up to an old disguised barn. And then I guess it just leaves the place there. So that's what we got. We're like uh, diagrams and shit big in this day. It seems like we've looked at other shit that had this kind of thing. It's interesting. Like they really wanted to spell out the exact layout of, of all this stuff. I think they wanted to just give you an idea of like, where is everything at in this place? He has so much stuff here. So I think that's what it was. Maybe that was just their way of of doing that. You know, they didn't do the big splash pages that we're used to now. That just wasn't the thing in the 1940s where like, what, you want to take up the whole page with just one image? Like, no, it was just, it was a panel. Like, (laughs) this is just a small panel, a bottom (laughs) panel with like this stuff. It was like the closest you could get to a splash page at the time. Right, right, right. So, uh, yeah, this would all change in 1943 with the first Batman movie. So in 1943, we got the first Batman serial, also called The Batman. The writers of that serial were Victor McCloud, Leslie Swabecker, and Harry L. Frazier, and they said, well, what if we named it The Bat's Cave? So it's originally called <laughs> The Bat's Cave, possessive, uh, and it's the first formal naming of The Bat Cave in any medium, even though really, as you can see here, for the visual audience, it's basically just an office with Batman sitting on it. He's at this big desk, a few chairs, a cave wall behind him, a few candles, and then a giant bat on the wall. So he looks those... like he's about to read you the nightly news, like he's uh, yes. Walter Cronkite's father or something. Tonight in, in Gotham City, there was crime yeah. yet again that I have to stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Back to much. Gordon with the weather. So, uh, for you guys who might be noticing on the video version, I have a giant bat behind me on the wall of my own room here. (laughs) So, that is kind of in tribute to that. All I got to do is this pose. Exactly. That is uh, pretty much why that one is there. It's a little tribute to the 1943 Bat Cave. But another thing that he does with this cave is that when he captures criminals, he leaves them in the cave so that they're just surrounded by the bats and that intimidates them enough to confess. So, like, he's like, I'll leave you here with my little friends who might eat you and stuff like that. So, uh, that's kind of an intimidation move from the 1943 Batman here. But, yeah, obviously there's no T-Rex yet because that that just wasn't in the comics yet. There's no giant penny, no giant Joker card. None of that stuff is in here. It's literally just a cave with a desk and a couple chairs and a bat on the wall. The entrance into the Batcave, however, is already shown to be a grandfather clock. So, that was there from the very beginning. That's awesome. That... yeah, that, however, is likely a pull from Zorro. So, uh, in the 1920 silent movie version of The Mark of Zorro, which predates the Batman serial by like 23 years, Zorro has an underground lair that is accessed <laughs> through a grandfather clock. So, I don't think that's in the original... I've read the original Mark of Zorro book. I don't think that's in the original book, The Pulps, for this. I think this is actually created by the silent movie. I could be wrong by that for any oh, Zorro aficionados. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the movie that creates that. And it's not really in, it's not in like every Zorro thing. It just was in this one. And I'm pretty sure they took it from here. So I wonder then when Frank Miller said, Hey, like the Mark of Zorro was the movie that the Wayne saw before they were killed. I'm wondering if he was actually thinking of this version and that this version would like inspire the grandfather clock by Bruce, even right. though he wrote, he writes in the comic. It's, it's a later version. But Miller probably got that, you know, it's it's likely he might have gotten that, those mixed up. This is not the time of the internet or the time where you can just pull it up on streaming just to verify or fact check yourself. You could just be going off of memory. So there's a right. possibility there. 
but that is the 1943 Batcave. It's got the grandfather clock. It's got basically this office area, uh, but it's kind of used in a cool way to intimidate criminals, and that's what it is. So uh, that brings us over into the rankings. So we're going to do something that we've been doing in the past few rankings thing, which is to go over to Tier Maker and start ranking out which ones we like the best. So we have all of our different favorite rankings on here uh, that I'm going to be pulling up soon, where uh, we have the S tier, which is at the top. A is like, all right, pretty damn good. Not quite like supreme, like the S tier, but pretty good. B, good. C is just like, eh, it's, it's average. It's whatever. It's not terrible. D is we're getting into pretty terrible. E is worse, you know, pretty terrible. F is worse than terrible, and then we have the goose egg slash it log, <laughs> as it said, Tagalog. It log. Yes. Uh, and I also added a no grade for at least one of these, which will probably not qualify for being a bat cave oh. because it is shown to be around before Bruce's Batman. So I'm like, that doesn't really count as a cave, but I should at least include it anyway. So uh, okay. that's in there. Or if you also feel that it might be unfair to grade it in, we might put another one in there, but for the time being, I anticipate only one will be under the no grade. So, in terms of rankings for this 1943 one, uh, do you want me to go start? You want me to start on this one? Let's go the ahead. Rankings. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is the first Bat Cave on a limited budget, so we kind of have to rank this according to scale and according to the comics at Always. the time. Yeah. So we can't just be like, "Well, this is bullshit" because there's barely anything in there. I'm like, "Yeah, but like, it's it's the first of its kind." Not only in live action, but also literally the first Bat Cave. We did see the underground hangars, but it was kind of just like, all right, it's just, it's just shit that he needs uh, and things like that. It's kind, you know, it's small. It's not as expansive as that diagram that we saw. It does have this kind of cool, forgotten quality of being used to scare criminals, which is in the comics. So I gotta hand it to them. That's cool. They have the name. It's very cave-like. I feel like I can't quite give it an A at all because it's just it's just so small and not as expansive as what was in the comics. I get they're limited by budget, though. But because it's the first one, I kind of have to be generous on this. I feel like a B is, yeah. is fair for this. How do you feel? B for bat. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just tough. Yeah, it's the first one. It's pretty, it's pretty minimal, but <laughs> yeah. them... A huge plus, though, is like using the Batcave itself as, as an intimidation is pretty cool. Yeah. I think they should do that aspect more, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, well, without giving out the location of it, I guess. But yeah. Yeah, I'm they sure can blindfold them, you know. Blindfold them, fucking ear muff them, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'll go with like. Yeah, maybe B. Yeah, I guess the same. Mm -hmm. It's tough. I I was gonna go C, but now I don't know. It does seem a little bit. You got to be more generous than that because it's the first one. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't really hold it against it for not really having like. There's no bad computer. This is bullshit. I'm like, well, there's no fucking computers. There's no computers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they don't. They don't exist. <laughs> this is the 40s, man. <laughs> exactly. All right. So the Batman from 1943 gets a B. That's our start to the Batcave. So. Uh, let's continue on then into our dive into uh, continuing the history. So, uh, you know, obviously they're like, hey, this is a really good idea. Instead of just doing the underground hangars, let's do the, the Batcave. So what they do is they carry this over into the comics. So as you can see, now we revised the diagram. This shows up in 1943, not in the comics yeah, yet. Here it is. But in, it's cool. This is, 
you thought, you know, I was like, you know, they don't do splash pages. It's now a comic panel. This is now a panel in a newspaper strip. So we've stripped it down even further. <laughs> it's even smaller right. now as a right, diagram. Right, right. But as you can see, they've added some stuff. So there's no secret laboratory in the Wayne home again. It's just everything is now down below. Uh, so the leak secret laboratory has now moved down below. Uh, we have the formal name of Batcave there. So obviously they're just mm. like, eh, let's not go with the Bats Cave. Let's call it the Batcave. So I think we can credit Bill Finger for making the more iconic name for that. And then we even have Batman's underground study here, which is basically what we got in the movie. We have the desk, the chair. It's kind of hard to see uh, on this because <laughs> it's so small. But, uh, you know, the bat in the background, that's all from the movie. So this is the first formal Batcave carried over by Bill Finger. And it's literally in a strip called The Batcave on October 29th, 1943. So that's where it first appears. And then they're like, you know what? Let's also carry this over into the main you know, the main comic. So Detective Comics number 83, it's given the formal name of The Batcave of Dick Grayson saying, the alarm from The Batcave. Someone must be down there. So, you know. Oh, shit. Yeah. And uh, this is the same issue where Alfred is redesigned to look like the Alfred actor from... 1943 serial so clearly around this time they're just like eh this serial this movie has a good idea so let's just carry that over right and the Batcave further expands you know like in the comics they pretty much establish that he keeps trophies there of his different things so we get the giant t-rex from the dinosaur island adventure the giant penny from the penny plunderers the giant joker card from uh, a story called acrostic of crime it's all from different stories in the 1940s and he just sort of carries them over into the Batcave, and we have this famous splash page panel from Andy Kubert here. So that's where we kind of get the standard stuff. We finally get it later on in the 1940s. So again, can't hold it against the 1943 Batman serial for not having it. Right, right, right. However, we still get another serial at the end of the 1940s. So let's dive into the Batman and Robin serial from 1949. Uh, unlike the previous one, we do have a credit here. Uh, set, set decoration was by Sidney Clifford, according to research from Dan on this. So uh, that's who to credit, I would presume, for this. But there's a lot more to this than in the previous version. We see that there's a crime laboratory now. So we actually see the laboratory. It's not just an office on this. Right, right. Batman actually uses it. Dick Grayson uses it, as we can see on the bottom corner. Uh, there's also file cabinets that contain the rogues gallery members, though we never actually see pictures of it. It would have been cool if they had this is like a stuff. precursor to the Bat computer right here. Yeah. I mean, it's a file system, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's kind of that's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I've seen some people give this serial shit because of the fact they're like, what, like the Rogues Gallery? We don't get to see any pictures of it, and it's just literally in a file cabinet. But I'm like, well, if you look at the 1940s comics, literally on the left is Batman saying, "If my hunch is correct, we'll soon run across some interesting pictures." As he's looking through a literal file cabinet, so it's these almost people the same are like. Shot. They're talking shit about something that came out in 1943. Yeah. They had... 49, this, yeah. This costs like $3 to make. <laughs> like, just fucking get, get it a, give it a break, man. Yeah, I know. That's ridiculous, know. man. Plus, so. there was... Weren't there some interesting world events happening at this time? I'm surprised they shot anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is closer to the end of the 50s for this specific one. Oh, okay, but this one, okay. Still, okay, okay. you know, like it's a serial budget. Like, we're lucky we even got a cave. It could have just been a basement. Yeah. You know? yeah shot I mean, in somebody's basement and stuff. Like, oh, this is a secret yeah. lair. We can get away with it. Nobody reads comics. So... Uh, he was still kind of a second <laughs> banana to uh, Superman at this Superman, time, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
The file cabinet as well is something that's in the comics, as we can see here. And this image comes from our friends over at Batman Online. Silver Nemesis over there did a feature about the 1949 Batman and Robin serial compared to the 1940s comics. So check that out. At some point, we'll cover the, the serial in full. But uh, we're just having too much fun with all the rankings and the unmade stuff. So uh, one funny thing, though, is at some point, the next drawer in the file cabinet is where the costumes of Batman and Robin are hidden. <laughs> no one will ever it's find it. the big mannequin with the vault. But if you think about it, it really is more practical to have, you know, a clothing drawer for your costume as opposed to, like, having your costume on a mannequin because you have to first take it off the mannequin and then put it on you. That's Feels true. Like some that, would cost, there. that would cost. That would be a little much. People always yeah. make fun of how, like, an arrow, they're just like, I'm ready to go, and Oliver Queen picks up the arrow, and then just suddenly the next shot is he's already in the costume, but they're like, didn't he need to put down the bow first in order to take on, put on the costume? <laughs> so it's it's that type of stuff where it's just like, yeah. it looks cool, but if you think about it, it, it makes more sense to have him literally in the cabinet. So I'm like, I'll let it slide I, for this 1949. I guess so, yeah. I would. That's one thing I'd let slide for Arrow. It's like, it's just a cool shot, yeah, man. It's a cool like, shot of him doing it. But he literally has to be like, all right, now I have to put it on. It's a guy in a world with guns shooting a fucking arrow. <laughs> like, and I know they're trick mm -hmm. arrows and shit, but still, it's yeah. like, again, it's like Batman's chin being exposed. You just got to let some things go, man. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. I hear you. We also continue to have the grandfather clock, so that's still in this version. And that's pretty much all that I remember from this version of the Batcave. Again, more expansive. Crime laboratory, grandfather clock still there. And uh, we've got an early version of the Batcomputer here with the file cabinets, which is true to the, uh, to the comics there. So let's dive in then in terms of the rankings. So... I feel like this one is better, obviously, than the previous one. Obviously, again, we're not going to go full into the T-Rex and the giant penny and the giant Joker card. Yeah, it's in the comics at the time, but if we were to hold that against all the Batcaves, you know, this specific Batcave, we'd have to hold it against all the Batcaves because right. it's such a rare thing to see in live action anyway. Uh, but yeah, right. definitely an improvement, I think, over it. Better illustrates Batman's headquarters than the previous take. Uh, you know, an expansive cave, um, not super expansive, but again, bigger than the last one, has the crime laboratory, has the file cabinets and stuff, has Batman and Robin talk a lot about their cases in there. For 1949's time and budget, this is probably the best that you're going to get, honestly. So it's for me, good. it's an A. How about you? A, I'll go B+. plus. Okay. <laughs> Own, I don't know. Just my gut feeling. Yeah. Uh, it's, it is an improvement for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, you know, the file system and more, you know, microscopes and shit. It seems like it had a little bit more of the lab feel. Yeah. Going on. So, mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. Yeah. B plus. For we'll me. put it, we'll put it above the Batman on the B plus. Range. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think that that's fair. Cool. All right, so those are the serials, everybody. As you can see, the Batcaves fared a lot better than than the Batmobiles when it came to the serials because the goose egg went to the 1949 Batman and Robin Batmobile last time. That's so. true. It's easier to get a cave-like location than to mm -hmm. build a custom car at that time. Yeah, exactly. You know? So they obviously made improvements for the next adaptation, which was the 1966 show. So, oh, she. This is designed by, um, set decorations by Chester Bayhai and Walter M. Scott, 
uh, for the movie, but I would also think for the television series. Uh, as we can see, everything is even more expansive than in the 1949 serial. We got the full state-of-the-art crime lab, uh, an atomic, this big thing that's in the middle of it, and this cone-like shape that almost looks like a power plant. That is called the atomic pile, which is used to charge Batman's atomic batteries for the Batmobile. Uh, also, I did of, not know that, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the actual purpose. And unfortunately, a character dies falling into it in, like, the second episode of the series. Next episode, nuclear man! <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Sounds also, like a Superman villain. Yeah. Trivia, uh, yeah, that was uh, in Superman is that 4. Quest, yeah, Superman 4, Quest for Peace. Oh, yeah, that's right. Let's yeah. see, it's all in my brain, and I don't know what's real and what's not anymore. That was not the origin for Nuclear Man, though. <laughs> it's like, I fell into the atomic pile in the Batcave. Like, no, that's not what <laughs> that, would, that would be kind of awesome, though. Yeah. So, uh, trivia-wise, apparently, Alan Napier's Alfred cleans this Batcave every week on Wednesday nights. Seems like they a big job. They actually fucking go into that? <laughs> yeah, Wednesdays is when he cleans the Batcave. So. Much to Grant Morrison's chagrin. Yes. But them <laughs> explaining all it this. is kind of fun, though, to no, imagine I mean, poor yeah, Alan whatever. Napier having to clean this entire like, how does he dust this big column here of the atomic pile? Who knows? With it's Batman Harriet, man. <laughs> she doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they think. They got yeah. a whole operation going on. It's true. Uh, I'd <laughs> argue. Oh, oh, also, this is the first time we've ever seen a Batmobile in the Batcave in live action. We never saw the Batmobile in the Batcave in either of the serials because it wasn't really much of a Batmobile anyway. So if anything, it probably would have seemed weird just to have what looked like a Model T car just sitting in the cave on that. But here right, it's obviously right. more appropriate. So uh, I think the most famous part of this Batcave really isn't the cave itself. It's the entrance. So <laughs> that's the way, true. you know, the way to get that's in, true. they did not go over the grandfather clock, but they did create their own iconography. Bruce would open the Shakespeare bust, which I have here, of course. Uh, he would open it up. And uh, turn the dial in order to open up a secret door, which would then reveal the bat poles, which he and Dick would slide down and flip a switch and land. And magically, they're dressed as Batman and Robin by the time that they they land. <laughs> it's just skills, man. You know, that's all. Can you slide down all... a pole and change at the same time? That's what makes him Batman, dude. Yeah. So <laughs> that is the uh, the iconic 1966 Batcave. So uh, that is where we got. So. Uh, obviously this one is the best one so far. I mean, come on. It's iconic. A lot of people grew up with that specific Batcave. I think it's a no-brainer. This is an A. This is better than the previous ones. You know, this is... It, it's the Batcave of so many people's childhoods, as I said, but also creates its own, uh, you know, iconography of... The, not necessarily the crime lab, but the back computer. We get the first back computer for the first time. I did mention that. Um, but that's it, true. So An many early sixties computer. Yeah, yeah. Or late late sixties. Yeah. So it really emphasizes. I, I like seeing that because it's it really emphasizes the detective aspect of Batman. It's not just uh, you know just having a whole bunch of tools lying around. It's just it's just almost all about his brain in a way, crime lab wise. So mm. again. There's no giant Joker card, Penny, or T-Rex, but if there was a cave to fit that in, this probably would have been awesome to have it there. But I can't really hold it against them for not having that. So, yeah, for me, it's definitely above the serials. It's an A. You wouldn't give this an S, though. Not quite an S. I feel like it's like it really fits the era, but I just... I, I'm of 
the opinion that a bat cave should be as cave-like, like sort of equal parts cave and headquarters with tech stuff. So I feel like the more cave, the more dark or darker lit it would be, the better. That's a personal preference of mine. Yeah, that's true. It might not fit this specific version, but it's, uh, you know, it's a solid version, but it's probably like not up there in terms of like my favorite looks for a bat cave. I see. Okay, I'm not trying to match you every time, but I feel pretty similar. Like, I'll, I'll do S minus. Mm. How about that? Okay. <laughs> so let's just make that an A plus then. Let's just go A plus. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I I agree. I mean, but he is the bright knight, so I mean, it yeah. wouldn't be too dark I anyway. Yeah, I can't hold it too much against them for that. It's yeah. just it's just not really what I picture when I picture Batcave. Yeah, I guess so. It's, I feel like it's I mean, not it's, as it's cool. Yeah, it's not as I'm iconic a, as the theme or the Batmobile. The nuclear power plant. <laughs> <laughs> and it is kind of fun. That is, yeah. Uh, <laughs> charging the Batmobile. Yep. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's, I guess, yeah, S, S minus. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's an A I love plus over there. Quick Go tangent, ahead. but the, uh, that red Bat logo is an S plus tier for me. I love that one uh, that's on the Batmobile in that Ooh, show. Yeah. Mm hmm. We might have to do a ranking of the bat symbols at some point, but it's like, that's one of my favorite bat logos. Ah, yeah. I'm pulling it out up. of I all of them. Here. Out of all of them. Yeah. This yeah, one yeah. that's on the door. Simple, cool, red, mm -hmm. like it's its own thing. Yeah. It does kind of now feel like another 1966 connection that the there was a red bat symbol on the Batman posters. Fuck yeah, man. They're like, like you've been pointing out, like, I feel like without you, I would have maybe kind of noticed the cowl and the Batmobile, but like the repelling thing mm -hmm. and what are the other shit we talked about? Um, anyway, yeah, it's cool that they put so, so much of that in there in yeah. subtle, very subtle ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. So moving from the era of 1966, we get Batman 89. So this is, it's, it's, a fact, but it is going to make us a little biased on this. Uh, it's the only one to win an Oscar. We have an Oscar-winning art direction. <laughs> That's uh, true. Production That's designed true. by Anton, the late Anton First, set decoration by Peter Young. And as we've covered you know, before on the podcast, credit goes to uh, First Team, including uh, Nigel Phelps on that, who did a lot of the concept art. So as designed by First and his team, including Phelps, this Batcave is even more expansive than what we've seen in the previous versions. It's entered from the outside through a holographic wall after a forest path, which is what we were referring to earlier in uh, Andrew's journey into <laughs> Andrew's mystery <laughs> name. Um, this also created the idea of the different ledges, you know, in the Batman in the Batcave with the abyss below, where just like any, if you go just close enough to the edge, you could fall over that type of thing, which then carries over into the comics because of this movie. Uh, and as we've covered before, Anton First was less interested in presenting a cave. He didn't. He doesn't like caves. He's just like it's just. How do I make a rock look interesting? Was basically his thing. So he was but more interested. Can, but you can though. Like, I don't know. But anyway, this well, back cave is cool. This too, was his but... way to do it. Yeah, this was his way yeah. to do it. He was like, yeah. I'm more interested in presenting it like an underground city. He wanted it to look like there was a lot going on outside of just like cave walls and a computer in the middle of it. So uh, there's other things that are added here. There's a vault where the bat suit and the gadgets are stored. Uh, we hadn't really seen that in other live-action versions because, again, we got a file cabinet and then a mysterious ability to to change midway through going down the bat poles. 
Uh, and then the Mac computer was updated with the multiple monitors and screens with him just sitting at the console there. So because we went from like cool. the fucking spreadsheet only shit. Of, <laughs> yeah. like, there's no screen right in the '66 one. Yeah. Like this is you know it's obviously just early computer shit. It's the best yep. they could do. Now we're in '89, so we're like you know yeah we've got some actual computers happening here. Yeah, yeah. So this is I mean if it's not already obvious, this is my favorite. This is the Batcave to judge other Batcaves to me. It's an S tier. <laughs> Only one that got an Oscar. I mean, it's this dark labyrinth, perfect visual atmosphere. Like, you want to kind of live in this Batcave. And I'm curious to see what additions we get into this version when we get the Andy Muschietti Flash movie next year. So That's when I think true. Of, yeah. When I think of the Batcave, I think of this one. So for me, it's an S. I'd want the Flash one to look just like this, but with updated computer graphics. Yeah, computer that makes screen, sense. Yeah. You know? But you know what? Like, in the in the latest Star Wars films, they, they keep that 70s aesthetic on the screens. Which yeah. I, which I yeah. also appreciate that, too. I understand that move as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's a fucking S, man. It's it's our, both of our first Bat, Bat Cave. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw this before even the the 90s btaz mm-hmm. so it's l- literally our first uh did not see adam west before this movie like this is Same. you know this is the one that we all judge by of course like you just said and uh mm-hmm. just like when it got to the like fluorescent lighted one in uh the nolan one is that just dark knight only or did he have it, it shows up again in the dark knight rises but he does have his own bat cave in the dark knight rises right yeah that was like a more legit one in rises right mm-hmm. yeah so well especially the dark knight rises is just you know it's dark knight right i mean the, the dark knight i mean the dark knight is you know it's one of the best we all know that but it's just like whenever it would show scenes of that fucking just really plain looking room with yeah. the tumbler Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a bummer because I would think about this. I would think about the Burton yeah. cave, you know, and it was just like it's just so much better in this version, you know. Yeah, I think for me, the art direction for Batman '89 is just—it's just going to be unmatched. Like you're ne- you're just never going to yeah. beat that in the Batman thing. Like even even if I when I fantasize the latest movie with the Batman, I'm just like, okay, I liked it. I like the visuals. Yeah. that's Reeves presenting. But then I'm like, okay, but what if he was in the Burton suit? What if the Batcave looked like the Batcave from 89? What if Gotham looked like first Gotham? I'm just like, well, then it would be even better. Like, I'm just like, it, it just it just makes it feel, it, it feels more comic booky even more in a movie that's already oh, very comic booky. So I'm just like, yeah. I just don't think anything's really going to beat that in my mind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, that back, man, I, you know, before doing this podcast, I already, of course, lo- you know, loved the 89 Batman movie. Mm-hmm. But like, do it. Like, the more we talk about it, it's just like, God, they made so many good decisions, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. This, it's the art direction, really. Nigel Phelps, Anton First, Peter Young, like what they did for this. Just, I just don't think it can be topped. I just, it's the one that I compare everything to. Like, I, I think when I watch Batman Begins, I was just like, all right, I like it, but it feels like something's missing. And then I rewatch '89, I'm like, oh, it's the visuals. It's this. There, there's a couple different looks too i mean this is of course a comic book look or whatever mm-hmm. but like the retro futurism and like t- well this was like modern at the time but now it mm-hmm. looks like to us it looks like there's a bunch of like little sub-genre design looks like 
Like one's called cassette futurism or something, which mm-hmm. is like the late 80s, early 90s kind of retro look. Mm-hmm. And that's what this looks like kind yeah. of with, with Batman flair. And yeah, if they just kind of kept this kind of look, but, but yeah, but with just updated computer screen, yeah. hell maybe bat, you know, Batman's coding too. Maybe, maybe it does have a fucking matrix looking screen on him. You know, I don't maybe, know. Yeah. Like a kind of a tone pared down look, but, uh, uh, but yeah. Yeah. It'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be cool. Well, there is a slight evolution of it when we get to the next movie. So Batman returns production design went over to Bo Welch set decoration by Cheryl Karasek and uh, it's been redesigned a bit. We still get the ledges, as we can see in this wide shot. We get a better idea of it. But it's kind of a little less, like, you don't really see the back computer in the same way with the big screens. It's kind of just more of a workstation type of thing, as we can see throughout here. Mm. Um, there's more blue lighting on this. Uh, the bat suit vault from beforehand gets expanded to a full room that we see bat, you know, Bruce Wayne enter and then change into and come out. So the entrance, we actually see the entrance from Wayne Manor as well. Bruce sticks his hand in a fish tank into a replica version of Wayne Manor to press a button, which then opens up this Iron Maiden that he goes inside. And instead of it basically stabbing him to death, it basically allows him to slide down into the Batcave. Alfred, however, indicates that he'll take the stairs. So there's clearly more than one entrance into this. But it's kind of a very Burton-esque take on it. It's the only time I've ever seen this entrance into the Batcave uh, anywhere on this. So It's just it's not good for the pH balance of that water. Doing that all the time, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not good for those fish. That poor fish. They're all dead <laughs> at this point anyway. So, uh, this Batcave kind of feels like a natural evolution of the one from 89. Um, I feel like I just don't like it as much on it but it's it's still it's got enough of that burton feel to it that i i obviously don't hate it i still like it i still prefer it over a lot of the others on here um but it's it just doesn't quite have the same feel as the 89 one to me and i think a big part of that is the back computer the back computer just the multiple screens and with that big chair and he's just sitting in there investigating and, and you just see keaton the the solitary hero type of thing just looking over his video footage or investigating stuff like that there's just a certain feel to that that just kind of got taken away when you don't have that in batman returns where he's just kind of just sitting at a regular desk when alfred comes to to talk to him and gives him vichy schwa so uh <laughs> that is i'd still it's like an s minus a plus to me um it's it's still good right. it's just not quite as good as 89 and there's just something really weird about that Tim Burton Batcave entrance with the Iron Maiden. I'm like, eh, it's cool for returns. It fits returns, but it's not my favorite way to go into the Batcave. Okay. What's your score? Oh, you said yeah, it's S a minus. A, S minus. Okay. So I like the cool blue colors or highlights. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty cool. I, I'm with you on the computer screens. I would prefer it have more of that. Um, I do the the Burton one does feel a little more cramped than this one. I kind, at least in the shots we just saw, mm-hmm. this one being a little bit wider is kind of kind of nice, I guess. Uh, I'm just trying to think of all the good parts. I think from what I get from the Burton entrance is like, um, no one would accidentally put their hand in there <laughs> and press that button, That's and true, no yeah. one would willingly get in that Iron Maiden. So mm-hmm. it's like a way to conceal and make it hard to get to 
That's the true, bat yeah. cave. Mm-hmm. So I get the rationale there. Uh, like it's just it's just a departure from what we're used to. <laughs> it is, yeah. um, but so I don't know. It's not like a not like a huge. Uh, it's not a big minus. Demerit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, man, you know, yeah. I don't want to agree with you every time, but uh, you know, yeah, I'll give it like a. It's like a B plus. Mm, no, what? Okay. A minus. A minus. A minus. A minus. Okay. Yeah. So S minus, A minus. It's about A. Where should we put it in comparison to 1966? Maybe. I feel like it's mm. under 1966, actually. You think so? Okay. Mm, when I think about it. Well, okay. I did give it an S minus. I gave 66 just an A. So. Right. Mm. It's our chart, man. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'm just trying to figure out what the averages are here. Yeah. <sighs> I just feel like we didn't spend enough time compared to the 66 one. I'll just put it under 66. So, uh, I gotta say, when I was a, when I was a kid watching this too, I don't mm-hmm. think I really, I don't remember the Batcave as much. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's, I don't know. Like I'm, I liked it. It's fine. It's good, but it's, mm-hmm. um, that movie was just all about penguins with rocket launchers on them and, <laughs> and Catwoman, Catwoman, you know, yeah. and. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the Batmobile fucking getting armor on it and shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. those are the things I remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Penguin saying I'm cold blooded and shit. I don't. Re- I don't remember the back. I mean, yeah. I remember it of course because I was, we rewatched it for the podcast a little while back. But mm-hmm. it's just not one of those things I remember too much. You know? Yeah, it doesn't have the same impression. So that's probably yeah, why. Yeah. So yeah, I think I'm comfortable having it under 66. So yeah. Uh, this one will possibly get expanded. You know, there's been a few expansions already in the 89 comics. Michael Keaton's Bruce adds the giant penny from the comics after it saves his life against the Joker copycat gang. And the Flash trailer shows Keaton in the Batcave, and it looks like some sort of waterfall opening in the cave here. So Mm. I don't know how much is going to draw off of 89 versus Returns. Based off of the music and the look of Wayne Manor, it looks like a little bit more 89. But I like... I think a nice fusion of the two is going to be good. You know, the big wide shot of the different ledges and maybe a few workstations of, of the laboratory, but keep the back computer with the different monitors. Keep right. like the vault and stuff. That'd be cool. Right, right, right. So uh, moving on, then we get the Joel Schumacher movies. So Batman Forever production design is taken over by Barbara Ling, site decoration by Cricket Rowland and Elaine O'Donnell. Uh, gone are the ledges, though you can kind of see a small one here on this walkway that 45-year-old Dick Grayson is walking on. Uh, <laughs> it's going to break a hip walking it's across more, It's Especially, yeah, if he slips off that. This <laughs> cave is originally discovered by Bruce when he's a boy. And again, no ledges, really. It's just kind of this big cave that's just sort of one level, uh, at least in the theatrical cut. In the, in the original script or the Schumacher cut, it was going to ha- reveal the cave beneath the cave or the different levels of it. But it's basically just one area and uh, the Batmobile in the middle of it. Uh, We also get a Bat computer, but with smaller screens and a whole room, a vault where the Bat suit and variations are kept. Kind of an expansion to what we saw in Batman Returns. And then there's that cave beneath beneath the cave, the area below where the Batwing and the Batboat are kept. The Batman and Robin used to attack Claw Island at the end. And there's even a Bat hanging in the back wall, which seems similar to me. (laughs) to the one in the 1943 serial and incorporated it into the newspaper dailies. Don't know if that was deliberate. Probably not, but it is kind of a cool thing anyway because it's, you know, hanging on a wall where Batman's working. So I like that. 
the entrance to this bat cave is through a secret closet, which has a silver cabinet inside of it, where Alfred jokes that the room keeps all Bruce Wayne's dead wives. But really what it is is just, you know, it turns and reveals the Batcave as Dick Grayson figures out the hard way in this movie. So right. uh, that is the Batman Forever Batcave, which, you know, then gets basically bombed by Jim Carrey's Riddler. And so it does get, <laughs> it arguably becomes more memorable than the one in Returns just because it, like, it has a major set piece that happens in it. So uh, that's the one. So I guess when it comes to this one, you know, I don't like it as much as the Burton ones, but, you know, it's a decent Batcave. It's not terrible. It's, you know, got a decent atmosphere to it, despite the fact that it's, you know, seen as an updated version of the, you know, the Dozier, the Adam West era. It still keeps sort of the darkness to that Batcave. Um, I still prefer the big monitors of the Batcomputer. Uh, it still feels a little small. I like a more expansive Batcave, but we probably would have gotten a little bit more of that in the uh, in the Schumacher cut. So for the time being, I'm going to go with a B on this one. Mm. All right. We're going to differ here, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, you don't like just seem, It seems kind of boring, <laughs> man. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, seeing these shots again of it, it's mm-hmm. just... I mean, it being dark is cool, but the other Burton ones were dark. So, like... Yeah. I don't hate it, but like it's better than the Batmobile in it. <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> That's like, true. I, yeah, I fucking hate the Batmobile in this one, but the I don't know. I give it like a I give it a D plus, man. Oh shit! All I right, don't, well, let's I don't like this. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, I like this movie. Internet, mm-hmm. don't roast me on this. Like yeah, I, this I like the, the movie overall. Yeah, this Batcave just visually it does not please me. Mm. So it's even <laughs> so, less than the serials. Uh, oh, judging on a scale, yeah. <laughs> on the scale, yeah. Actually, I can see that. I can kind on of a scale. See, I can see what on you an mean. absolute scale, it's better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but on a relative scaling, mm-hmm. it's not as good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we have it at a C. <laughs> Let's go into an Batman upset. and Robin. <laughs> the what? An upset. An upset. Yes, but I mean, it was going to happen eventually. Uh, I will yeah. say the feelings that you have on the Batman Forever one, I have on the Batman and Robin one. Oh, so, well, this is the Batman and Robin. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I mean part of it is on. that, but also, like, I remember more of the Batcave and Batman Forever, whether it's, like, mm. Jim Carrey blowing it up or Bruce and Robin arguing about revenge and stuff like that. Like, I remember that one. This one, I'm just like, is it basically the same thing? And it kind of is. So, same production designer, Barbara Ling. So, this is the first time that a production designer gets to sort of redo another version of the Batcave, uh, set to re- decoration by Dory Cooper. And there's a lot of blue light. We're kind of back to the blue lighting from Batman Returns, actually. It mm-hmm. feels maybe bigger than the one in Batman Forever, now that we see it in the wide shot. Uh, and Barbara Wilson discovers this Batcave, and we also get a giant screen for an AI version of Alfred to talk to, to talk to Barbara <laughs> on this. I don't oh, know why man. this desk is so small where she's at, but okay. It's um, inspiration from the news desk. Of the I guess one. so, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is the one where what you said about Batman Forever, I feel about this one. It just, I feel like it's kind of there, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's the whole movie is kind of there. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Except for uh, George Clooney's dick, <laughs> his cod what? piece. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> just fucking like really there. Is but, everything really there? Everything else there? Everything yeah. else there is kind of there. I think this is the one where I'm just like, eh, like, 
what does that look like again? Like it's it's the it's the lowest one. I mean, it's again, if we don't put it on the scale, the serial ones are probably even less memorable and a lot less craft put into those. But uh, since it is on a scale based off of the times and things like that, like honestly, they could have just stuck with the Batman Forever Batcave and it would have been fine. It does. It makes sense that there's an update because some time has passed and Riddler blew up the last one. But <laughs> for me, it's like a C minus. It's just like eh, it's pretty average. Like it's it's it, there's nothing that great about it to me. There's nothing really terrible either. But you know, it's like okay, it, it checks off all the boxes, and that's all you need from it. So it's like a C minus for me. Yeah, uh, I. Can I? I go even lower. I give it like a D minus, dude. Mm. It's bad. It's just not. It's just not cool, dude. It's just be fucking cool. Like that's that's my yeah. fucking cogent analysis. <laughs> it's not cool, man. So <laughs> you know? that gets Batman and Robin the D. So give it the D, yeah. like it. <laughs> George Clooney's D. <laughs> that's very apropos at the end yes. of the day. All right. Yeah, I think this makes sense. All right, back to we try we to can. see the good in Batman and Robin. We really we, we do listen yeah. to our episode on it. Like you know, we try to do our best, but you know, yeah. there's only so much we can do sometimes. <laughs> it's we it's were too young. The Alfred scenes. Go ahead. We were too young for the MTV. You ever heard of Max Headroom? Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. yeah, like I watched MTV when I was a kid, but Max Headroom was kind of long gone even by then. But I think this kind of looking back and seeing it on YouTube now, this Alfred kind of reminds me of Max Headroom. Kinda, I think, yeah, like, I think it's deliberate. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's supposed to be so futuristic, but the desktop that he's on just looks very, it's extremely 90s because it's from the time. Uh, but yeah, it's hilarious. Dude, it's, I think this is a trash folder. There's a trash bin right there. On the bottom and it's, corner. It's funny, too, because probably only movie people, and really to this day, too, well, people in the art world mm-hmm. use Macs. And I, this looks like an old, like, Mac. Just yeah. with, you know what I mean? And uh, if fucking no one had a Mac at this time, except for people in <laughs> L.A. <laughs> you know? California kept Bruce Apple Wayne. alive during these years. Mm-hmm. And, Bruce Wayne, and Bruce Wayne, yeah. Yeah. So that was one really hardcore conversation I saw on Reddit one time was what operating system is, is the back <laughs> computer on? And they were like, Oh, it's obviously Linux or Unix mm-hmm. and, <laughs> or Batman just coded his own operating system. It's probably the most likely, honestly. Anyway, that's, that's about, yeah. that's about as nerdy as it gets. Everybody. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, yeah. I do not want to do an episode on that. <laughs> that's not something I'm interested in talking about. That's that's. That, if, Sorry, if somebody can make an episode on that, like more than like <laughs> what we're talking about now, that'll yeah. be impressive. Yeah, that's true. Uh, all right, big surprise. Well, not much of a surprise, but I included one that technically counts. This is the '90s. Well, this is early 2000, actually, uh, 1999 to 2000. This is the OnStar Batman commercials. So. They actually did their own Batcave in this. It's production designed by Jim Millis. I didn't include every single Batcave in a commercial because then we'd be here for like an extra hour and I'd have to just find all these different commercials that barely anybody's seen. But these are somewhat famous, you know, among the the Batman community. It's seen briefly in one OnStar commercial. Also, it has Max Headroom version of Alfred in it. Michael Goff came back for that. But it does look like there's less technology. And it looks a little bit like there's the... People bring up the OnStar 
commercials as being kind of like a mix of the Burton and Schumacher aesthetic in a bit. And we kind of see that in this. We got right. sort of the Schumacher-esque, uh, you know, giant bat on the wall over here, the vault for the costumes. Uh, but we've also got the Tim Burton, like you kind of see like there's a, an area of the Batcave that could be beyond what we're seeing, like other other stalactites over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, and there's stalagmites. The or air stalagmites too, yeah. Both of them. <laughs> Both of them. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, we got the Burtmobile in the center. So, um, honestly, I like this better than the Schumacher ones, even though it's only been on screen oh, for like yeah. 10 seconds. 100%. 100%. This one is better it's for than for commercial, yeah. Yeah. Especially considering, in fact, it's for a commercial. Like, for if we're grading this on a scale, I'm like, this is for a commercial. It already, even, even if you take away that commercial aspect, like, I would have been, I would have been fine if this is what Batman Forever looked like. Or Batman and Robin look like in terms yeah, of the Batcave. Yeah. They're like, oh, this is cool. So uh, they really took the best elements of each, I think, of Burton and Schumacher, fused it together. Uh, this is awesome. If they did make, you know, a Batman 5, a continuation of that series, I kind of wish this was what the Batcave looked like at the time. So, uh, you know, for those of you guys who want to know more about the OnStar stuff, check out our $10 Patreon. Check out our episode on the Batman commercials where we did a live reaction to these. But uh, for the time being, this is uh, what we'll cover on that is the Batcave. So uh, I would say this gets an A. I mean, come on, it's a commercial. And they still were just like, no, we're not going to phone it in. We're not just going to reuse the set from something else. Or if we do, we're going to redecorate it. We're going to make it our own, even though people are only going to see like 10 seconds of this. So I'd say that's pretty impressive. It's better than the ones in the Schumacher films. So to me, it's an A. Yeah. I think it's like an A plus, especially grading on a scale with it being a commercial yeah. at this mm-hmm. time. Uh, it really feels like the guy that, uh, you know, who was a producer of these commercials who, who like signed the, you know, allotted the money, gave the budget. Yeah. It's just a Batman 89 fan, dude. Like, <laughs> yes. It must've, there was a fan and the higher ups on these commercials. Mm-hmm. Cause there's, yeah. there's just too much, um, Especially for a commercial, it's just too much care. That's just yeah. they just gave a shit, mm-hmm. like more than usual, you know. Like there's something Seriously. going on there. Yeah. Do we put this above sixty six? I remember it's a scale. It's a scale. It is this a scale. is a relative scale. We could do we could do a one later that's on an absolute scale, but you know, just internet I just fucking trust us. This is just a relative. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's relative scale, okay? Yeah. Yeah, relative to its time it was made in and what it is, which is a commercial. I, I think of it this way: between Batman sixty six and what we saw with the OnStar Batcave, if we were to do a Batcave, it would be closer to what we saw in the OnStar commercial than in the Batman sixty six one. Right. So, uh, yeah. All right, this is an interesting <laughs> right. episode. So, uh, for the time being, at uh, going from the bottom up, we have Batman and Robin. It got the D. Batman Forever gets a C. <laughs> Uh, B goes to the 1940s serials with the Batman at the bottom and Batman and Robin above it. Then on the A tier, A minus goes to Batman Returns. Then 1966 Batman above that. Above that is OnStar Batman. And still at the top, S tier is the Batcave and Batman 89. So uh, we Mm -hmm, will continue mm -hmm, the rankings mm -hmm. of this. We'll tackle the Batcaves of the 21st century movies after the break. Take a time machine back to before the world went to hell around the year 2000. The 80s and 90s were so rad. 
The movies, the music, the TV, the games? That's what I want to talk about. If you're cool enough, join us and listen to Less Than 2,000. Because that's all we talk about. Adam and Chad live Less Than 2,000. Hey, Lassie, what are you doing here? Timmy's in a well. Sequelcast 2 and Friends is a podcast looking at movies in a franchise, one film at a time, like Harry Potter, Hellraiser, and The Hobbit. And sometimes the hosts talk about video games and TV as well. And now it's part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Oh, Lassie, we don't need to rescue Timmy. He likes the well well enough, I guess. Darth Vader is Luke's father. Lassie, I told you to lay off the spoilers. Lord have mercy, y'all. Do you like hounds? Do you enjoy pooches? Do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines? Talking about dogs, y'all. As you might have heard, Superhero Stuff You Should Know has now teamed up with BarkBox. For every month, you get a box for your special canine. Pooches. Or hounds. That's right. One free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod. Follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at $35 and valid for all multi-length plans. So get the BarkBox for your hound, for your pooch, for your canine. Your doggo will thank you. Welcome back to the Batcave, and we are going to dive into the 21st century versions of the Batcaves across film and television, starting with the Nolan trilogy. So, let's go into it with Batman Begins. So, this is the cave that Bruce Wayne discovers as a boy, just like in Batman Forever, uh, though this time we kind of um, see a little bit more of an expansion of it because he returns to that cave again when he's an adult and faces his fears basically encounters the bats again and decides that he's going to become Batman. So going over to the look of this version, uh, this was given a backstory, an explicit backstory where the cave was used by Bruce's ancestors for the Underground Railroad and helping to free the slaves during the Civil War, which is true to the post-crisis comic. So they carried that over. There's also a waterfall entrance where uh, that Bruce discovers that he uses the tumbler to get in and out of. And the entrance from Wayne Manor is to play keys on the piano that opens up the secret entranceway in a, boot ca- in a bookcase so that Bruce can use an old elevator to get to the bottom. What happens when you accidentally play it? And, uh, when you're just playing a song? I have no idea, but that's the entrance in this version. Don't worry it's, about it. <laughs> it's a bare-bones version. This is where version. Burton figured it out. Burton was like, no one's going to put their hand in the aquarium. <laughs> or go inside the Iron Maiden, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, production design was by Nathan Crowley, set decoration Gene Fode, Andrew Hodgson, Packy Smith, and Simon Wakefield. So this is, we got to keep in mind, this is a Batcave from not Batman year one, but Batman week one. Like he barely is Batman in this. He just discovers it, puts some lights up, puts the tumbler in it. All right, I'm good to go. It's a miracle we got what we got in here on this. So <laughs> yeah, there's no, that's no, not even a Bat computer yet in this. No. Uh, but it makes sense because it's, again, it's literally Batman week one is Batman begins. It's the early versions of the Batcave on this. It's got a nice atmosphere to it. It's very cave-like. Um, and very bare bones on that stuff. So for what it is, I give it an A. I mean, it's pretty much what you would expect a, a week one Batcave to be on this. It would look like this. Even like the Burton-esque version of it um, would probably look pretty similar to this, I would think. So, uh, you know, I like it a lot. I think it's fine. Yeah, this one's like an actual fucking cave. So. Yeah. <laughs> man we got dark knight next um so um so uh 
I give it maybe B plus. I don't know why mm. though. My gut tells me. I just maybe I don't know. Maybe I should be easier on it since it is week week one. Yeah. Um, I I, I but, get it because there's yeah. not much in it compared to the others. Yeah, I guess it's just it's A minus B plus. You know, it's fucking in that territory. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what I'm gonna give it. Maybe it's a cave. It's an actual fucking cave, and there's the Batmobile Batman parked yeah. in it, and yeah. it feel there's bats flying through it, right? So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you know, yeah. there's a lot of good there. A minus. Yeah. I talk, I talk myself into it. Yeah, yeah. So we'll put that. <laughs> oh, we're putting it below Batman Returns. Yeah, Batman Returns has more stuff in it. I'd say maybe it's maybe it's like neck and neck. You know, Batman Returns doesn't quite have yeah. the same memorable impression as Batman Begins, but Batman Begins doesn't really have a lot in there yet because of just the nature of the story. So I'd say that's probably about right. They're kind of around the same okay. level. So, okay. all right, here we go. We're going to do the Dark Knight's Batcave. Now, I know people are going to be like, hey, well, it's not really the Batcave, it's the Bat Bunker." But... <laughs> fuck that. Fuck that, we're going to talk about <laughs> it. But also, <laughs> but also, we have other examples of Batcaves being, you know, outside of the cave under, underneath Wayne Manor that we're going to go into a little, little later. And there have been Batcaves underneath Wayne Tower or around the city in the comics. So it's not like you can't have, like you can't count those as bat caves. Those are bat caves. So okay. here we go. The Dark Knights. Okay. Oh cave God. It's just fucking. It's just, <laughs> oh God. Production design by Nathan Crowley, set decoration by Peter Lando. This is dubbed the bat bunker. Since Wayne Manor goes under construction after Rosal Ghoul's attack in the last film, Bruce stations his headquarters in this bunker in Gotham city. It's mostly just a bat computer. <laughs> so we do get the bat computer. And a costume vault that rises up from the ground. And then at one point, we kind of see a furnace where Alfred just dumps all the evidence when Bruce decides to become Batman. I mean, decides to out himself as Batman. Uh, the entrance is located below a storage crate in an abandoned lot owned by Wayne Enterprises, which gives Bruce his privacy. And um, it has also been used and reused in a bunch of music videos. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know yeah. that, but yeah. I've, I've uh, yeah. Yeah. So, The Dark Knight, as you've you brought up, and I agree. Obviously, one of the most renowned Batman movies ever made, if not the most renowned. And despite that, it has the worst Batcave. It the main defense is that it's not the real Batcave, but again, like even then, this has a headquarters. It has the complete opposite atmosphere that you would want in a Batcave, even as a satellite <laughs> Batcave. The whole design feels off. It's all fluorescent lights. It's so brightly lit. You would imagine the Batcave, oh, it's dark and it reflects his psyche and stuff. And here is just like, it's 50% lights. It's, a, 50, it's ridiculous. It's got 75. the atmosphere of a parking garage. <laughs> 75, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking the entire ceiling is yeah. lights. So, again, yeah. it's, like, it's like a parking garage that's way too brightly lit. It's not really much of a cool headquarters. You just feel like you want to get out of there. So for me, it's the goose egg. One of the best Batman movies, yet has the worst Batcave. It's a goose egg. I agree. You it agree. log I all the way. <laughs> it's so it's just not good, man. Like if okay, that <laughs> the Batmobile or the Batcave has been destroyed in yeah. the other one. I get it, but story wise, have him find another fucking cave. Like, wait, I need my back man in a fucking yeah. actual cave looking place. Uh, this, this parking garage shit sucks. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this... Dude, isn't it weird? Like, it's really one of the best comic book movies ever. Yeah. But God damn, that Batcave sucks ass. I know. I know. It's... <sighs> I, it, it always bothered me, even when they first like sh- before I saw the movie. People were just like, you know, don't judge it till you see the movie. I'm just like, I don't know how the movie's going to really redeem this to me. Like, why is he in a parking lot? <laughs> There's no bats flying in that parking garage. Yeah, no ambiance. It's just got nothing. Just it does, does nothing not have for the me. Art direction. Got, yeah, yeah. It it's got nothing. the ugly exactly. ass fucking tumbler in it. Yeah, <sighs> it's just I don't know, man. It's it's off dude yeah it's just you know yeah it's just really not good i'm glad we agree on that i was wondering if you're gonna give it like a c or a d or something oh no no no, it's a it's a goose egg (laughs) no i'm not gonna be generous on it at all yeah no it's it's my it's the worst one it's my least favorite and the worst one it's some yeah it's it's the anti-cave it's the the anti-back cave yeah yeah Yeah. it's not at all it's like yeah i know it's practical but like you could still make it practical and cave-like. You can make it practical and cool-looking at the same time. Practical doesn't mean that it gets a license to be ugly. So there's there's many there's many cave. <laughs> let's just that's Gotham, Gotham's fake. Fucking yeah. put a cave somewhere and find another cave. You yeah. know, yeah. like it's you could just just make it up. You know, yeah, it's fine. Exactly. We don't need this. Ah man. And again, it's it's a shame too because of the fact it's the Dark Knight. You know, if this was like Batman or yes. Robin, then it's just like, all right, whatever. You kind of expect it for this. It's just like, it's 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 kind of weird when you think about it. It's like Goyer lost that conversation with Nolan. <laughs> he, <laughs> he he won the conversation about the utility belt yeah. and Scarecrow's mask, but he lost. He was like, why do we need a cave? You know, that's what <laughs> that's what Nolan was asking. And Nolan, Goyer probably tried and then lost lost that. Like, I just uh, want to make it look like Hugh's laboratory in the, ba- in the yeah. Bond movies. I'm like, okay, but that's not a Batcave. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, he finally gets a real Batcave in the next one. So Dark Knight Rises, we thankfully return back to Wayne Manor. It's been rebuilt. Eight years have gone by. Alfred still enters it using the piano to open up a bookcase. So at this point, it's been an upgraded bookcase. And uses the secret elevator to go down. And oh, thank God, we're in the actual Batcave. So mm-hmm. there's a uh, there's a few new things. The Bat computer has been transferred over here. There's like a rising platform. There's an area for the new vehicle, the Bat, to, uh, the Bat as it's called, to take off. It pretty much takes the things that were in the Bat bunker, brings them over into the Batman Begins cave. This is a kind of the finalized version of the Batcave, and it's a huge upgrade from the previous version. Yeah. It's not amazing, but this is the best Batcave out of the three movies, even though Dark Knight Rises is the worst of the trilogy, but it's the it's the best Batcave out of the three. Mm. Not amazing. I don't think it gets the I don't think it's S territory at all, but it's an A for what it is to me. It's an A. I'm like, eh, this is for the Nolan trilogies and the fact that it's now now the Batcomputer is finally there. It's got, you know, pretty much the Batcave atmosphere that you want from it. Maybe an A minus. I'm starting. I'm, I'm talking to myself into maybe a lower grade now that I'm talking about because I'm just like I don't think it had as memorable of an impression as it doesn't quite have as the memorable impression that Batman Begins does because Batman. You no, know, the memorable had, impression is fucking what's his name repelling into it at the end. That's like the main. Oh, thing Blake. About yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like other than that, like it's it's, yeah, kind of it's better than Dark Knight, yeah. but it's <laughs> it's not. It's it's a cave. It's a fucking cave. So like it's <laughs> That's a, the best we can say. I give I give it a B, I give it a B minus probably. Like it's yeah. it's cool. I just feel like by the third one they should have had more shit in it or 
I hear, but he's retired. It's just, it's just ret- I guess so, man. But it's that's what they fucked up. I don't up, know but. why. I I kind of surprised myself with how picky I am about the caves. Now that I think about it, like I'm almost as picky about the cave as I am about the Batmobile. Like well, that's it's cool, just though. it needs a certain <laughs> it needs a certain thing to it. So, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. All right. So he gave it a B minus. I kind of gave it an A, A minus or so. They kind of put it at a B. Want to put it under the cereals? Gives it a B B plus. Yeah. Mm. It's in the B somewhere. B plus. Yeah. Let's put it above the yeah. cereals. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we got the full Nolan ranking then. So okay. Dark Knight got the it log. Begin actually now in our ranking, it begins has the best cave. I was not expecting that, but it kind of uh, makes sense. It's got the it's got the best scenes in it. It really does. He has to yeah, face his fear yeah. in it. You know, yeah. he has he has he builds it like it has the best impression out of the three. Even though the Dark Knight Rises is basically the same cave, just with more Batman shit in it. So it's still a scale within the trilogy itself. Yeah, the, I get it. The, the by the third one, it just should have been should have been better. But the first one, it's a good first outing. Yeah, and that's they true. totally dropped the ball on the second one. <laughs> but you know, so whatever. Yeah, yeah I think it's, yeah. it kind of makes sense. It makes sense. Begins had the best cave for an origin Batman, and Dark Knight Rises had a good but could have been better cave for like an established Batman. I think mm-hmm. that's the best we can describe that in. All right, so uh, let's go into one that I don't think is going to count in the rankings, but I thought I would include it anyway. Gotham. So in Gotham production designed by Richard Berg and set decoration by Andrew Baseman, uh, Bruce Wayne discovers that his father had a secret underground office, similar to the 1943 Batcave, where it's kind of cave-like, but there's basically just an office with a desk and a chair. It's entered through the fireplace, where there's a stairway into a locked door uh, that they kind of explode (laughs) in order to get into. But that's pretty much all we see of it. It's Thomas Wayne's Batcave. It's not Bruce Wayne's Batcave. So I can't really count this. You know, he does become Batman at the end of the series of Gotham. Spoilers, but Bruce Wayne is Batman. But at the end, you never really see him <laughs> at the Batcave. We never really see him, like, expand it or anything like that. It would have been cool, but, like, realistically on a Fox budget, wasn't going to happen. So I don't think we're going to count this one, but I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to it. Let's yeah. go into one, though, that is established, which is the Zack Snyder Batman versus Superman mm. Justice League Batcave. So, production designed by Patrick Dottopoulos. The set decoration for BVS was from Carolyn Cal Locks, and the set decoration for Zack Snyder's Justice League was from Dominic Capon, or Capone. Uh, this Batcave was discovered by young Bruce, again, just like in the Schumacher and the Nolan movies. It's the Batcave of a Batman who's been around for 20 years, and it's the only one... Um, well, it's not the only one, but it, it is not located under Wayne Manor, nor is it underneath the Wayne Tower. Uh, it's sort of in this lake house that's on the Wayne Manor grounds. Uh, as we noted in our Secret Origins of Ben Affleck's Batman episode, a lot of the furniture in his crime lab, computer territory, all of that is actually bolted to the ceiling. So it's hanging upside down like a bat, which is kind of a cool touch. I do like that aspect. Um, also, the first time we see Bruce work out in the gym area in his big CrossFit montage. <laughs> so. Doing the ropes and shit. <laughs> yeah. Like it's... Oh, and that push that push cart deal too. Yeah, that's that's yeah. very uh Sled push, crossfitty. Yeah. 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 Jim it's, Jones. It's got, you know, if we finally get to see Bruce work out in the Batcave in live action, so that's pretty cool. Uh there's yeah, an area cool. for the bat suit and of course the memorial area for Robin, so that carries over from the comics. And then 
you know, the non, you know, non-canon to most of us, but Justice League did expand on this Batcave by saying that the Wayne Hanger is inside the cave, which when we saw the Zack Snyder's Justice League, we found out, oh, that actually makes more sense that it's a separate building. Uh, <laughs> and they also filmed their own, like, little armory room with, like, samurai armor and katanas in there to kind of have some other scenes in it. But, you know, that was clearly added later on in the reshoots. So this it's is like Joss's the... love for 89 Batman. Yeah. Which is understandable like that. that he likes that movie. But uh, <laughs> actually, yeah. I don't think he does. He d- I don't think he, he does. doesn't remember- like 89 Batman. I, rem- I remember. Yeah, I remember reading something where he he didn't like the the 90s Batman movies in general. I'm writing so. them off forever. I already did kind of not the other but stuff, this but is, this one. I'll I'll never see Avengers one and two again. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm just yeah. kidding. I'll see um, the first one. <laughs> yes. The I'll never see okay. two again. Upside down stuff from the ceiling, I think, is cool for this, but that's kind of the main thing. Yeah. Oh, and then the Robin Memorial suit, obviously. Like that's the first time we've seen that. That's cool, but to me, it's a little bit more like warehouse cor- headquarters than cave. There's just not much of a cave aspect to it. Yes, yes. Yeah. I agree. When, yeah. when I first saw like the shot of the Batcave in the trailers, because it's just kind of that that shot of uh, you know, kind of where you get most of it and you see the the bat computer laboratory area on the side, I was just like, Oh, like it's the basement of Wayne Enterprises or something. I'm later on I'm like, wait, that's the Batcave? I you know, I yeah, just did not yeah. look like the Batcave to me. And I was kinda hoping, you know, we got one of the best translations of comic to screen for the bat suit to date i'm not expecting there to be a giant t-rex or anything but bat cave could at least look more cave-like or a little bit more like the comics right so, right right i'm not a fan of this one that much it's just not a cave to me i'm giving it a c c minus maybe yeah i agree it's too mm. uh looks like a like a lobby or something like a waiting room or like a corporate <laughs> Like a big corporate bank or something. Totally, like yeah. it's it's just not a not a fucking cave, dude. Like mm-hmm. it needs it man, Burton just fucking was it Anton know, First right? just really nailed it. It's just I know Snyder, he's got to strike out on his own. He's got to do his own thing. I get it. Mm-hmm. He's making his own decisions. He's got his own take, like we always talk about. But uh it's just yeah. God is D a D might be too rough on it. I, Do you no, think it's worse uh, than the Batman and Robin on scale? Mm, That's a tough one. It's not worse. It's not worse. It's better it's than worse. that. It's better. Yeah. It's a D plus. I'll give a plus D plus. Minus. Yeah. It just Let's it put it it's called Batman and Robin here. This is going to come into play when we talk about the Batman. Yeah. But it's like it's. It's got cave in the fucking title, dude. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. It needs to be cave like. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just, you know, like we're just used to a certain thing that we like. And this is, it's just not, not it. Like, you know, it's, it's fine. Yeah. It's not the, it's not a, nowhere near a goose egg, but, you know. Yeah. Still would have preferred it over the goose egg one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sorry, Snyder. We still love your movies. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. when it comes to the Batcave, not so much. So uh, let's go further into it. So now we're going to get a little bit into some of the TV stuff, actually, before we get to the Batman. So uh, that next one is actually Batwoman on the CW. And um, I'm actually surprised by this because, well, I'll go into my feelings on it after I break it down. But 
The uh, production design is by Lisa Soper in the pilot and then Ian D. Thomas throughout the series. Set decoration was by Alexandra Rojek for the pilot and Darlene Lewis for the series. This is a Batcave that's actually underneath Wayne Tower. It is not underneath Wayne Manor. Um, and despite it not being under the mansion, it still has bats in it that come around. Um, you clearly see cave-like structures inside of it. Um, there's a random dead tree in the middle, which I thought was random as hell until I found <laughs> out. Until you discover in third season, it's actually holding and storing a comatose poison ivy. <laughs> so I'm Oh, like, shit. Really? Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that that solves like a two or three se- year like two or three season mystery on that so that's cool there's um, actually a nuclear reactor in the tree <laughs> that's powering her fucking the, the lenses bat, yeah, the batmobile yeah. <laughs> uh area for the bat suit and the gadgets so some classic stuff here i you know i know we're not talking about that but i like this fucking weapon setup that's cool yeah. it's like i know mm-hmm. some people are like it looks like the apple store or whatever anything that has like it does kind of look like that yeah looks like that but like i don't know i think it's kind of cool actually it's white and cool silver for that yeah it's yeah. it's a cool and then there's even a t-rex so we have a small t-rex oh. toy called going Dino. up a whole fucking tier at this point yes <laughs> uh so yeah they have did a you, mini did you buy like a jurassic park toy just just, just so you to can have, have a t-rex yes in your room <laughs> i have that do you have a do you have a, a big jo- penny somewhere a in jumbo your room? penny and a joker card i'll pull it off <laughs> for later that's awesome that's awesome man and oh, then uh, yeah so we have the dino and then we have a bat computer area, which is kind of similar looking to the 1960s one. And then this bat cave gets expanded in later seasons. Season two is revealed the Batmobile is actually in a secret hiding spot that Hush discovers when he uses a sticky bomb to blow up a wall. So that's oh, cool. Shit. And then Batman has the Hall of Trophies in another area, which is introduced in season two, arguably for the first time in live action, I think, where we see Mr. Freeze's gun over here. Uh, there's a bunch of other things that tie into the plot, but basically it's just a whole area just full of different uh, trophies, and it also houses the Batwing suit for Luke Fox. The entrance to the Batcave is accessed through Bruce's office, where Martha Wayne's pearls are displayed in this uh, you know holder here. But moving the pearls opens up an elevator that leads into the Batcave, which kind of does their own take on you know there's a super morbid version where you turn the grandfather clock to the time where the you know the waynes were murdered and that's what opens the, the grandfather clock every time so he always remembers here it's kind of a nice like oh like it's it's in memory of his mother that type of thing it's kind of the mm-hmm. same idea but a little less over dramatic to me edgelord so, yeah a little less edgelord on this so yeah. uh that is the batwoman batcave up uh, that's too early for that. That was the Batwoman Batcave. And to be honest, fans are going to kill me for this, but you might be on the same page as me on it. This is exactly what they should have done in The Dark Knight. It's cave-like. Yeah, definitely. It is under this Wayne is Tower. way better than that. Yeah, it's under Wayne Tower. It's not under Wayne Mansion, but it still looks like a goddamn cave. It's equal parts cave headquarters. Yeah. It's got a lot of the comic book Easter eggs that we just haven't really seen much before in here. The Hall of Trophies, the dinosaur even. Uh, we've got implication of different levels and it's on a TV budget. It's not on like a major motion picture budget. So even the scale on that, or even if you take that away, this is a solid Batcave. To me, this is an easy A. I, I didn't really, until I really examined this compared to the other Batcaves, I didn't realize how much I liked this one until I, until I started preparing for this episode. But I really like this one. It's probably the best uh, TV Batcave in terms of what it looks like. It won't match the iconography of the 1966 one, I understand. But... 
in terms of how our own personal preferences for bat caves look like, this is a hell of a bat cave for a TV budget. I like it. I dig it. It gets an A. Yeah, I my gut says B plus. I'm not sure why. <laughs> um, it's it's good. It does seem mm-hmm. like there's a lot of care mm-hmm. put in. And I mean, like I said, I think my favorite thing was that those drawers with the weapons, <laughs> white and silver, so clean looking, yeah. man. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's good. I like. I mean, they they obviously care. So yeah, um, yeah, B B plus averages out. Let's put it above Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That, it is. Begins. I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's fair. Above yeah. Dark Knight Rises, but under Batman Begins. Especially on scale. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Awesome. All right. Well, that was not the only Batcave we got on the CW. We also got the Batcave in the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover uh, on it, where we got introduced to the Earth ninety nine version of Batman played by. Kevin Conroy. So Kevin Conroy got to debut in live action, and uh, there's a little area in his Batcave where you can see that the 89 Batmobile is covered under a tarp. Uh, And uh, the rest of it, well, it's kind of just covered up because his Batman has been retired for several years, so it's kind of like an unused Batcave. There's spider webbing all over the Batsuit. Uh, there's kind of a 1960s style back computer type of thing without many screens. Well, I mean, like tiny, oh, yeah. tiny screens, but it's just, yeah. Um, this is production. De- production design was by Ian D. Lewis. Set decoration by Darlene Lewis. Uh, sorry, I messed that up. Production design by Ian D. Thomas and set decoration by Darlene Lewis. And, uh, you know, there's not much screen time. There's only really one scene in this bat cave. It's a TV budget. It's just one scene. But even then, even to scale, this is way too small for a retired Batman. If this is Batman Begins, <laughs> then, okay, fine, I get it. If this was 1943 when, like, the Batcave is in its early stages, I get it. But I'm just like, you're saying this guy's been Batman for, like, 20 to 30 years, and this is his cave? He just operated out of this tiny thing? This is, like, this is small for that. <laughs> this doesn't seem this seems like it barely covers most of the underground of Wayne Manor this is like covers his bedroom this is what it sounds like in terms of just square right. foot so it's just really underwhelming especially considering it's the Kevin Conroy live action debut so I gotta give it I gotta grade it low on this because of the scale and given who it's supposed to be for it gets a D from me we're to assume this is there's not like multiple rooms. This is like the only part of the Batcave. This is I mean, 100% to, it. Yeah, to be fair, there's not really anything that indicates there aren't multiple rooms. But yeah, this is all we get to see in that one scene. So unless there's just like, you know, there's a scene of him talking about the lower level, which there isn't. But if they added yeah. that, maybe. But again, it's just not covered. I'm just going off of what we can see. This, you know, uh, you know I'm going to come clean here. I never saw this. Crisis on Infinite Earth special, but I've seen these clips and stuff doing the podcast, and it just feels like they um, kind of gave Conroy short shrift. Yeah. You know, they did. They they should. They probably shouldn't have done the Kingdom Come thing. You know, like just write it differently, man. Like he just looks. He looks kind of goofy in the fucking yeah. Kingdom Come shit. We're talking about the Batcave though, and then, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a little small, and yeah, it's just. Yeah, it's not enough. Like, Conroy's finally in live action, and this is what he gets. Oh, man. You know, I know it's yeah. TV budget, but it just should have been should have been better. Yeah. Uh, so as for the score, 
Did you just give it a straight D? I gave it a D, yeah. Mm. E plus. Ooh. <laughs> it doesn't change it really. It's gonna be D minus. <laughs> we'll put that under Batman and Robin. So this makes sense. That makes sense, yeah. I'm comfortable with this so far. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. So moving on, uh, we got one more TV one before we get into the Batman, and that's the one from Titans. So uh, we got a bunch of glimpses of the Batcave in season one of Titans, but it didn't really show that much. But in season three, we got more of an expansion production designed by Ian Brock. So uh, here we get a full glimpse of everything. We get for the first time in live action. The Giant Penny, the T-Rex, the Giant Joker card. Unfortunately, the T-Rex and the Giant Penny aren't hologram, but we get something. Uh, we <laughs> get the Hall of Trophies, so we can see Penguin's umbrella over here, Mad Hatter's hat, all sorts of shit. Uh, as Dick Grayson walks through, there is, you know, there are bats that fly through at one point, so we get that. Uh, a bunch of, you know, it is pretty expansive. It's pretty big. Uh, it's probably the biggest out of the TV bat caves, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, and uh, we also get uh, the Jason Todd Memorial area after he is killed by the Joker in the first episode of the season three. They did carry over the grandfather clock entrance, again, for the first time in live action since the 1940s serials. However, they got lazy with it. Dick Grayson sets it to midnight just to open it, which I'm just like, that's that just feels way too easy. That feels like <laughs> at, least 10, yeah, at least from 1047. It's like, who's really going to try to set it to 1047? So... Uh, that's, that's true kind of minus points for, for getting lazy on that one but other than that you know I appreciate that they carried over the T-Rex and the Giant Penny and the Joker card even if it's only for like one shot in it I appreciate the Hall of Trophies I appreciate the expansiveness this feels a little more a little closer to you know a Batman who's been doing this for 20-30 years like what it should look like it should look pretty expansive he has got a lot he's, you know he's got a lot of shit in there so I do like it for that it's a pretty decent one. I just feel like it's still a little too, you know, lower level Wayne Manor as opposed to like a cave. Mm, There's just not enough right. cave walls to it. There just needs a little bit more. Like we can still see, still see some stalactites at the top, but it just, it just needs more of that in order to really give it like an A quality. So for me, um, I'm giving it like a B on this. It's still mm. pretty decent stuff for what they got. Maybe a B minus. But um, I don't think I like it as much as the Batwoman one, even though it does have some things and does things better than the Batwoman Batcave. What do you think? Yeah, it's like a B minus, maybe. It's <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just not cavey enough. I agree. Mm -hmm. um, at least they tried to get the dinosaur and the penny in there. It does. It is cheaper to put a CG one in than to make a practical <laughs> one. Yeah, like a huge one like that. Mm -hmm. You know. That would cost a lot of money, actually, to make those big ones. But uh, mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, and like the neon lighting and stuff, I'm not, I don't know. It's like maybe, but not in that way. I'm not sure what I would do, but mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, B minus. It's, it's, it's cool. Mm -hmm. It's cool. It's yeah. not, especially for TV. Yeah. So that'll put it, we'll put that under the serials above Batman Forever. Is he walking in the suit in this fucking Batcave ever in the show? Batman? Yeah. No. Okay. See, that <laughs> makes it lower. Man. But anyway, <laughs> well, you know, it's B minus. Yeah. B minus. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay. So that puts Titans 
between the serials and uh, yeah, between the serials and Batman Forever in terms of the ranking. Okay. Mm-hmm. Finally, we're going to get it to uh, talk about the Batman again, <clears throat> the Matt Reeves version. So this is the latest version of the Batcave. It was shown uh, in a few scenes in the latest movie. Production design was by James Chinland and set decoration by Lee Sandalis. So what we get is uh, basically dubbed as the Wayne Terminus Batcave because it's accessed through the tunnels and part of an abandoned train stop inspired by the underground station under the Waldorf Astoria in New York City, as we mentioned in last week's historical influences on the Batman. So we did see bats fly around when he entered through it. So that's true. We've got that. It's dark in there, dark lighting. Um, we've got an area for the Batmobile that's sitting on there. We've got uh, the multiple monitors for the Bat computer. Uh, you know, this is very early days for Batman. Still more developed than in Batman Begins. He's been doing this for two, going on three years. And yeah. um, we don't really know how he accesses this area from the tower, but we do know he used those abandoned subway tunnels to at least get in here. It's a little less Bat right. Cave, a little bit more Bat Bunker, given the yeah. location of it that's i think the main drawback of it but again this is what they should have gone with way more than what they did in the dark knight so um still i can't really rank it above the more cave-like versions we've seen i do like it better than batflex obviously better than the one that we got in the dark knight but <clears throat> it's good for what it is when you're doing this abandoned subway tr- you know subway tunnel type of thing but i can't in good conscience, really rank it anywhere close to the other more cave-like versions that we've liked better. Um, for what it is, I'm still going to go with like a B. Maybe that's just biased towards my liking of this movie uh, on mm-hmm. it. We haven't seen enough of it really either. There's not really a big showcase of the Batcave that much outside of the, the something in the way sequence when he enters it for the first time. So maybe more time spent in it. We'll appreciate this one more. But for the time being, I'd say like a B minus on this. What do you think? Yeah, it's, you know, I'd give it basically the same score, maybe B minus. Did you give it a B minus? Yeah, I gave it B minus. Yeah, B minus. Yeah, I. it's just not a cave. And that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but it is much, much better than the Affleck one. I agree. Uh, much better. Uh, and it's it's getting to be cave-like, mm-hmm. but it's, I don't know. It's 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 cool. I, I like it enough, but I don't know. I mm-hmm. wish I had something more to say about it. it I just like it being, Peanut's going crazy right now, by the way. <laughs> Sorry. His opinions on this Batcave. My God, what's he doing? He, ha- he hates it when doors are closed. That's the problem. <laughs> and some doors closed right now. Mm. So anyway, um, basically it's a train, it's a fucking train. It's a abandoned train station, yep. right? Mm-hmm. It's, I admire the effort. They want to do their own thing. I get it. And also like, they don't show it that much, right? Like that's right. Like, doesn't one establishing like shot the much. whole movie and then the rest is in close up and, or yeah, pretty much just ha- him on half the computers. Shot. Yeah. It's just him at yeah. the computers for most of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's more closer in shots, so it's mm-hmm. like, I'm sorry for Peanut. I do not know what's going <laughs> on right now with him. Um, so he anyway, loves his Batcave clearly. Yeah, 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 it's just yeah. Like, how dare you? He's this is slanderous. The, the lament lamentation of Peanut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, um, it's uh, 
yeah, B minus, man. That's all, all I right. can say. Yeah. So we'll put that maybe we'll put that below the Titans one. In the maybe. In in the movie, I noticed the second time around, he is it, there's a lot of the establishing oh. shots are shots of the car. <laughs> or or pieces of the car, like uh uh you know, him just not that him working on it, but like just car parts, you know, like he's mm-hmm. he's been tinkering making the Batmobile. Yeah. Which I thought was cool. You know, we didn't really need shots of him making it. It's just show the parts of it, which mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Yeah. You know, the execution, a lot of the execution in, in the movie is great with a lot of the. Yeah. With that. And of course, uh, you know, many, many other things. Yeah. It gives you just enough to give you the feel that he built this thing. Yeah. Like having yeah. an explanation where he's like, Alfred, I built the Batmobile a year ago. And, you know, like some sort of expository dialogue thing. Like you just need that type of shot. You just right, need right, something right. that indicates visually that he built it. So that's it. That yeah, was good. that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that is our rankings. So final rankings from the ground up. Uh, disqualified because it wasn't really a Batcave. Gotham's. It was Thomas Wayne's Batcave. The Goose Egg was the Dark Knight. Probably one of the few times that's ever going to happen. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> going up from uh, at the bottom of the D category was the Crisis on Infinite Earths, Earth 99, Batcave. Then Batman and Robin above that. Then Zack Snyder's Batcave at the top of the D tier. Then at C is Batman Forever. Then at the bottom of the B tier is The Batman, the latest one. Above that is Titans. Above that is the 1943 The Batman serial. Above that is the 1949 Batman and Robin serial. Above that is The Dark Knight Rises one. And above that is Batwoman's on the CW. Then at the bottom of the A tier is Batman Begins. Above that is Batman Returns. Above that is the Batman 66 movie and TV show. Above that is the OnStar commercials, which slaughtered basically most of these. Uh, And then above that, at the S tier, no big surprise here, it's the Batcave from Batman 89, as designed by Nigel Nigel Phelps. Yeah, so... I regret nothing. (laughs) Neither do I. Before we we get out of here and go to the next part... If in in a in the world where where when you write your Batman script, you're typing out your script. Yeah. What how are you describing? What's your Batcave? Are you going to basically write Anton first Batcave with <laughs> one little difference? Like, are you going to like how what, what what is your ideal Batcave? That's a good question. I do want. It would basically be the Anton first Batcave, but a little bit more expand expanded. And if it's an established Batman, you would have the Hall of Trophies in there. You would have right, the, right, right. You'd like have the T Rex, and you'd have the giant penny and the Joker card, and we just go full in into that. You could even do like make it part, like do the set piece in it, kind of like what they did in um, what we saw in the Batman versus Robin animated movie, um, I think, or in, in different comics where like sometimes the T Rex is it's a robot T Rex, so you can you know sick the the T Rex. It's alive and it goes after whoever the villain infiltrated the Batcave is. You know, you could try to turn the penny on somebody. Like, you can use those things in a fight in the Batcave. So, like, that's probably what I would right, do. Right, like, right. You see those things, you're like, oh, nice. They put that in Easter egg-wise. And then later on, they actually become part of the set piece. They actually become part of the big fight towards the end, whether it's with Talon and the Court of Owls or whoever comes to infiltrate. Also, it's a great thing if you do a Robin origin movie. If, you know, Robin is exploring, he's going to love that area. Right. You kind of capture the kid's imagination through that. So I, I do think the Hall of Trophies is something that's missing from it, not necessarily just for pure fan service, but also the role it can play either in capturing kids' imaginations when they're watching the movie or in how cool it would be to have that type of set piece. Because again, 
the more that we do adaptations of this character, I think the standards for some new take is just going to keep rising and rising and rising. People are already critical of, of Reeves kind of going realistic again. So I'm like, <laughs> the more that you do this character, the more you kind of really have to show stuff that you haven't really done before in live action film. And one of those things is just a huge set piece in the Batcave involving the T-Rex and the giant penny and the Joker card. So that's how I would write it in. That's cool. Yeah, I'm just imagining like, yeah, like, yeah, Anton first Batcave with the penny, with the fucking, um, you know, T-Rex, with the card, mm-hmm. uh, the cassette futurism, and then the a guy in a very Batfleck-esque suit. And, and <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, but with the Matt Reeves Batmobile, like, ah, this is like, the, I'm, I'm trying to, like, imagining the perfect. Yes. Batman movie now, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. And a bat plane in the hangar somewhere, like the bat wing. Yeah, from 89. Yeah, something like that. And like, because mm-hmm. he's got the, in the diagrams, he's got the airplane hangar next to the Batmobile hangar. Yeah, that's true. So, so that would be appropriate. Yeah, that would be sweet. So, anyway, yeah, this has been fun. Yep. So, those are our rankings, and that is superhero stuff you should know. All right. Big thanks to our research assistant, Dan, for all the visuals for this YouTube experience. Uh, as a quick post credits, we thought we'd address a couple things going around the internet the last couple weeks. So, one is this <laughs> comparison Jim Carrey's glasses in Batman Forever with Paul Dano's glasses in The Batman, both of them playing the Riddler, of course. This is shown by user Gus Lives Again on Twitter. Um, this has been going around a lot. You know, people are just like, oh, wow, like, there's a cool Easter egg. And, like, I agree. It's a cool connection between the two. Uh, they're pretty similar to the same type of glasses. I think the one that Carrie has has sort of metal, a little bit more metal to them uh, on the sides. But uh, in terms of whether or not this is intentional, I don't think it's intentional. I don't think Matt Reeves is deliberately trying to do an Easter egg to Batman Forever here based off the production notes. So some of these episodes that I've done on the Batman have been on based off of production notes that uh, have been taken offline, but apparently they were, they were leaked out. And uh, the costume designer <laughs> of the Batman, Jacqueline Duran, says in the production notes that they experimented with 200 different pairs of glasses for Paul Dano. And Paul Dano himself says, you know, why this frame, quote, why that pair of the clear frame was the one, I don't know, but it just felt right. So... Uh, I don't think it's a deliberate thing, but I believe, Andrew, your theory is that the Riddle Force really created <laughs> this connection. <laughs> yeah, people tapped into the Riddler Force just could <laughs> feel these glasses emanating strongly. Yes. Um, you know, I kind of wanted this one to be true, though. Yeah. Like, you're probably right. It's probably just a coincidence, but, like, it man it's just it's a hell of a coincidence but coincidences do happen so uh you know i just thought it was cool because he he made a lot of homages seemingly to 66 so why not more to the only other well not the only other but you know the most recent other riddler so in a Mm -hmm. in live action so like you know i thought it'd be cool but uh yeah it's maybe it's just a coincidence but yeah they, they just look cool they look like it fits his getup so also, you know, like, how often do whatever. we get references to Schumacher stuff? Like, so many yeah. times it's like, oh, it's a reference to the Burton movie. It's a reference to Nolan. It's a reference to 66. But, like, very few times it's like people, like, don't want to touch the, the Schumacher movies. It's just like, oh, we we don't want to acknowledge those happened. When it's just like, no, like, 
there's thankfully been a resurgence of love for those movies. No, they're not perfect. Yes, there's flaws to them, but there's still a lot of love for the character and shaped a lot of what happened in pop culture, and we can kind of see that love emanate from just people even bothering to look at Batman Forever for this type of comparison. So I kind of wish it was true, too. Uh, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, like the Mysteries, Mysteries one. Like, it's like, pff, fuck that one. That's a piece of shit. <laughs> but this this one is, is this like, oh, yeah. I, I want this one to be true. Yeah, but, I, agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows on this? But that's that's kind of my take on this. The other thing going around the Internet are these concept art images of Batfleck for the solo Batfleck movie that was never made. Looks more high tech. Even has a cow that seems like it comes together over a helmet, as you can see on the right. Uh, this concept art by Keith Christensen, and uh, there's even more that uh, Keith has been releasing, including uh, like designs for the gloves, saying, quote, I thought it would be practical if you could retract the fin blades on the gloves. The double teeth on the knuckles would add traction to straight punch and back fist, back fist strikes. So it's kind of thinking, that's kind of cool for those, but for the suit itself, I, you and I are both fans of wanting to see this movie come to life. You know, at the same time, if provided, if Affleck yeah. does actually want to do it. But this suit, nothing against, you know, the concept artist here, but this suit just doesn't do it for me. It just feels like a big downgrade from what we saw in the Snyder movies for the Affleck suits. If this was brought in live action, as like, this is the first look of Batfleck's solo movie, I would have been disappointed. My first my first instinct would be like, well, why didn't you just have him wear the same suit from the other movies? Why'd you have to rebuild and ruin it? I tell you why, it's because... This would be directed by Batfleck, right? By Affleck. By Affleck, yeah. It's changing directors, so this is what <clears throat> Affleck wants. The other suit is what Snyder wants. Yeah, that's so true. I think that's probably the main difference, like why we have this happen. Yeah. But also keep in mind this concept art, so I don't know how involved Affleck was in like the development of this, or how much of this was just from the artist himself. I mean, he he. Bat, Affleck thought he was ramping up into his this movie before he got fucked over. So, I mean, this. I mean, maybe this is one of many, and mm -hmm. maybe maybe or maybe not. He would have picked this one. Who knows? We you know mm -hmm. we we don't know. I mean, maybe there's a reason this this is the art that leaked or was put on the internet mm -hmm. among the other choices. So maybe this was the one he would have gone with. Don't know for sure, but. Yeah, as for looks, man, I don't know why people want to, like, stray away from the bat symbol on the chest Yeah, so much. Like, I it's, I kind of, I mean, I still don't totally love it 100% on the Battinson suit, but at least it's like, you can kind of tell what it is mostly. Like, this just looks like almost like a black stripe across the high chest area. Yeah, with the it's wings just, touching his shoulders. Yeah, it's like it's it's unrecognizable. It's very plain. It's drab. It's I know they're going for ultra tactical suit with a cape, but it's like and it's better than the tactical suit with in Dark Knight, maybe I guess. But it's yeah, it's, it's dude, it's a it's a downgrade for sure. Also, people have noted that the the belt buckle is W, as in Wayne. I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> That's not good, is it? That's not good, man. Doesn't really. I make didn't sense. notice that. Yeah. I didn't notice that. You just lose something when you try to be ultra-realistic like this, man. It's just something... The the imagination is lost. I mean, yeah, he's got a cowl and yeah. a cape and shit, but it's it's just a tactical suit. It's just plain, man. Yeah. As I've said before, I, just, I don't think tactical is an excuse for ugliness when it comes to design. I think you can do both. You could do both. Yeah, it's... It, 
dude. Yeah, I don't I don't love it. I don't really like yeah. it at all. I would have given this like a D, man. D yeah. plus maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, that's those are our opinions on that. Uh, obviously, we already did an unmade bat suits episode, but this is kind of an extension of that. So these gauntlets are my favorite part. I yeah, like this the here. most. I think I like this idea. Yeah. I like this idea. This is cool. So. Other than that, uh, that ends the post-credit stuff. Let's go into some of the fan comments. So, uh, from Rene Valdez, he's commenting on the historical and cinematic influences of the Batman episode. I mentioned in that episode that we hadn't gotten Rene Montoya in live-action film yet, and I sort of pitched the idea of having Montoya instead of Officer Martinez, just to sort of have you know somebody who's already a um, play, not not a plainclothes, but a beat cop who is, like, rising up in the ranks and has some interaction with the Batman. And Rene Valdez brought up, come on, Ben, put some respect on Rosie Perez and Birds of Prey. <laughs> so I got to admit, I completely forgot Montoya was in Birds of Prey. <laughs> I completely <laughs> forgot we saw Birds of Prey, that that was a movie when we were recording that episode. So, yeah, apologies to Rosie Perez. Not like she's listening to this, but, uh, yeah, clearly there has been a Montoya Probably on film. <laughs> I just did not remember her, which... You know, isn't really entirely Rosie Perez's fault so much as just the fact that Montoya was just not a big part of that movie. Uh, yeah. That said, we still have yet to see a Montoya interact with a Batman in live action. Batman wasn't yeah. in the Birds of Prey movie. Uh, actress Victoria Cartagena played Montoya in two different TV shows, Gotham and Batwoman, and neither of them had her interact with Batman. So that's we still have yet to see Montoya talk to Batman in live action. So, uh, but yeah. Thank you, Renee, for calling me out on that because I completely forgot about that. So, <laughs> thanks. Uh, we have, a f I put three in here because all three kind of brought up the idea from, um, we have three fans across the Batman coverage from the Batman versus comics and the historical and cinematic influences of the Batman, all sort of chiming in about the gauntlets, the stuff that are on the forearm gauntlets of, Bat of Pattinson's Batman, where the those uh, harpoon things that we talked about and we we're like, eh, they didn't really cover what they were supposed to be for. Something's cut. So uh, we have As Fox, Dylan Moore, and Potato Potato Alliance, I think, with a Z. Uh, Might be all Arizona Fox. Yeah. AZ. I don't know. We don't know. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, oh, Potato Alliance. Sorry. Uh, all okay. three of you guys brought up the possibility that those things are what load the grappling hook or grappling gun and stuff. Uh, as Fox brought, brings up that uh, quote you see it briefly when Selena pushes the cop from the rooftop and they actually are the ammo for the grappling gun. Since it comes from the gauntlets, it makes sense. Uh, Dylan Moore brings up a similar thing. Those were his bank of grappling hooks. They either automatically slide into place if or when he expels one or pulls from them from the gauntlet manually to reload the launcher for the next time he needs it. And then Potato Alliance brings up that, um, uh, I'm guessing the front of it expands upon shooting it, and then it grapples onto things. So they're all kind of like on the same page of this. And I would I have never just, thought that. I just kept thinking yeah. it was Bo Shuriken. Yeah, but the thing is, that's in the production notes. Like, Matt Reeves actually says it is. And um, another <laughs> another um, fan of ours, Chris P., brought this to my attention, but uh, there's concept art that was released, and it does say Bo Shuriken right here. It says oh, throwing shit. sticks over here. Um, it says sure, they got wrote Shuriken and Kanji too. Yeah, right here. Yeah, I had a feeling like, you'd be able to read, read that. Yeah, cor correctly. Like yeah. that's interesting. That the is was it a Japanese designer or no? That's interesting. They went that far. I don't with know it. who did this one, but it's 
it doesn't seem like this is true that it's it's what reloads the grappling hooks because it does flat out say Boshuriken and it says throwing sticks on there. It does not say, you know, it wouldn't it would be one thing it says grappling hooks on it. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, these look different from the harpoons that are said to be part of the grappling guns. So I'm like, I wish this was true. It does make sense. I'll have to rewatch this guy, the stuff that you guys specifically brought up. But it feels like this is from something that was cut, and you can kind of see that too in the merchandise. So what I have on the right are the merchandise from the movie. There's a Funko Pop of the Batman, but it's like Combat Batman, where it looks like he's shooting them from his forearms. It doesn't look like he's got the grappling gun stuff. It looks like he's shooting stuff from the forearms. He's got like mm -hmm. these these uh, steel sticks coming out. And then you have a similar thing with this Batman gauntlet toy that they're giving out with that stuff. So um, according to Chris, right, who sent right. this over to me, he said that there was an Andy Serkis interview that mentioned that uh, Batman would be able to shoot those things out. And again, maybe he was referring to the grappling gun type of thing, but it seems like there's something cut where they're kind of used more in terms of like a throwing knife situation. So... Mm -hmm. I don't know. Jury's still out, but it, it looks closer based off of the evidence of the concept art and what Reeve said in production notes. It seems like it was meant for something that we just didn't get to see yet. We'll have to see in the sequel, I guess. Sad. I wish we had seen that, but, yeah. you know, whatever. Same. I mean, what are the chances, like, that we would get, like, an R-rated cut for HBO Max or something? Like, Reeves yeah. is not Nolan, man. We could... We, maybe we could get that cut. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm being a hopeful fan here, but... <laughs> Like if, if, and it would and it would have like something where he's using it would have a, the scene where he's using that you know yeah we could be seeing some deleted scenes when there's the home release so I wouldn't be surprised it'd be cool definitely yeah. uh, and then the last one comes from Ben Adams so Ben Adams says quote as you've probably heard director Ivan Reitman passed away Saturday this is way back this is over two weeks ago when he posted this three mm -hmm. weeks ago. Uh, as you know, he was attached to the Tom Mankiewicz Batman script for about two years around the time Ghostbusters was, was released. I have read next to nothing that I trust on how he would have approached the film. Joe Dante was later attached to the film and talked about it in an interview. I have never heard of Peep from Reitman. It would be nice if you guys could smoke out some information on how Ivan would have approached the film. Maybe someone like producer Michael Uslan could flesh out what Ivan's Batman could have been. Or maybe the untold tale of Ivan Reitman's Batman will never see the light of day. Keep up the terrific work on this channel. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So, thanks, Ben. Good name. Uh, we do have some <laughs> interviews actually recently with, with um, Eddie, well, not with Eddie Murphy, but from Bill Murray on this. So, uh, and this is probably stuff that you've already read before, but just for the information of our listeners on this, there was recently a Yahoo Entertainment interview where Bill Murray was talking about how, like, yes, he and Eddie Murphy were sort of considered to play Batman and Robin in like a comedic version of Batman that Ivan Reitman was going to do. So uh, this is actually not the Tom Mankiewicz script. A lot of people are just like, oh, the Tom Mankiewicz script, they were planning to have Bill Murray and it was going to be comedic. I'm like, oh, no, that's a separate script. The Tom Mankiewicz one was kind of pretty much played seriously. This was for like a comedic version. And uh, Bill Murray says, quote, I talked to Eddie Murphy about it and Eddie wanted to play Batman. That's as far as that conversation went. Okay. So basically, neither one wanted to be Robin. And so it just never went anywhere um, yeah. on that. Uh, and then the article says that Ivan Reitman hoped to, quote, replicate the success from Stripes by putting Bill Murray in the Batsuit. Ultimately, they bypassed the Batman for Ghostbusters. I'd say that was probably a good choice. 
It would have changed our <laughs> pop culture landscape yeah. considerably for years to come. If there was like, no Ghostbusters, but they did a comedic version of Batman. And they did that, and and what if yeah. it made money? They would have skipped over the Burton version. You know, that yeah, would have been, been no, yeah, terrible. This would have replaced that. That's the that's a worse timeline than this one. Yeah, Michael Uslan basically was like, they did not run this by me. <laughs> when yeah, yeah, when yeah, he was yeah. asked about, what about this Bill Murray comedic Batman thing? He was just like, yeah, I didn't approve of that. <laughs> like, because okay. Uslan's whole goal was to create or bring to life the dark, serious Batman from the early comics. He didn't want to see another version of the Adam West one that already had its time in the limelight. So uh, this was completely against what he wanted to do at the time. So anyway... That's sort of the information on the Ivan Reitman Batman thing. Don't think there was a script for this one, or maybe they were thinking of taking the Tom Makowitz script and making it more comedic. I don't know, but that's probably as much as we're going to get on it because I don't think it really went that far. Mm-hmm. So that's it for the fan comments. Loot drop incoming. Get to the drop at HyperX.com for store-wide savings. HyperX is fighting the battle against inflation with deep discounts across all categories of HyperX gear. Head there quick, though. Once March ends, so does the madness. It's the HyperX Loot Drop 2 going on now at HyperX.com. Over to Andrew with the shoutouts. Oh, man. Thank everybody for those comments. And now we want to thank our Patreones, as Zach always used to say. <laughs> so they are... Shasta, Leon O, Super Inframan, Douglas P, Dan D, Aaron Willick, Nick Noir, Jeffrey R, Askers Webb, Alex of the What Mean Podcast, Ian Justice, Jared P, Jamie H, Rochelle L, Skyler, TD, uh, Sketchcraft, Braxton W, Renee V, JD, Logan Wood, who is Shane Helms, 121 on Instagram, Griffin W, Daniel V, Pete B, Halsey C, Maurice D, and Jonathan. We're still getting... We're, Couple more, and I think we're gonna yes. be uh, to the point where I just where we just show the screen. But I'll yes. I'll keep I'll yes. keep saying them until then. Also, I definitely uh, need to update we, this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um, yeah, we want to thank our other supporters uh, who are Spark Again, SCCC Productions, Robert Schumann, Kubki Noms, Matt Matt Herring, Elijah B, Shamrock Balls, Enh, Walter the Robot, John Wells, Rye Guy, Jackson Putnam, Tway In, and Watson, who is Stage Battle on Instagram, Joey, who is W Media on Instagram, Paul G, and Derek O. Please join the Shasta Army. That's our $1 tier that gets you the shout-out. And the shout-out in the future is probably just going to be your name on the screen. Please don't kill us for that. <laughs> but <laughs> it's just going to be a long-ass fucking read if we don't get to that point at some point. So war- warning for now, okay, everybody? So, um, yeah, that's the $1 tier. Your name will be on the screen, though. Um, and we'll, I'll give you a shout-out if, if, if it's like your first time, if you're a newcomer. So there, mm-hmm. we'll do it that way. And then... Um, then uh, the $5 tier is a whole other show. The Batmobile's rubber meets the road here, meets the Batcave's mm-hmm. ro- road or whatever. <laughs> uh, and so it's a whole other show uh, every Friday. This show's every Monday. And it's a, this, this main show on Monday is a deep dive. And then the $5 tier is a deeper dive. Um, you know, it, it's like, what, less than a dollar a show or something? It's mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah. Uh, check it out. You could uh, you can cancel any time. You can binge the whole thing in a month. And uh, <laughs> you know if you want to think if you want to you know if you're done at that point you know you can cancel. So you know it's mm-hmm. Patreon. So yep. it, it works like if you've done Patreon before. It's just like that. So 
So yeah, there you go. Um, a ten dollar tier is our the ten dollar tier is our monthly meetup show, and uh, that's once a month. You can meet with us in a Zoom-like call, and then we have a topic at hand to discuss. And uh, on top of that, just kind of shoot the shit with the fans, basically. Mm-hmm. So there's that, $10 tier. And, of course, just like every other Patreon kind of thing, if you get the $10 tier, you also get the every tier uh, below it as well. So the $1 and the $5 tier. And then uh, we get our merch at uh, superhouse.redbubble.com and superherostuffpod.threadless.com. And uh, get your uh, Zacula, Benman, and indeed Wizard Mug shirt, shower curtains, and all kinds of shit. Artwork by Stefan Santa Cruz on that one. That particular one is not Zach, but Stefan. So there mm-hmm. you go. Uh, and then... Uh, Please send us some audio to superhousepodcast at gmail.com. Some stuff's been trickling in, but uh, we always want more. And then I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. Thunderwolf lives on YouTube. Thunderwolfdrew.com has my whole portfolio, except for amanorecon.com. That's A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N.com. Original shit coming from me, you guys. It's a fucking um, think. It's R-rated Power Rangers meet Stranger Things. That's the quick pitch but it's an original thing. It's going to have an Indiegogo campaign still coming. We're going to do pick up a pickup shoot here soon. Uh, and then we're going to really be able to kick into high gear. So uh, it's coming. Um, the teaser's out. Uh, go to It's on the front page of amonorecon.com. So you can check it out there or search YouTube for it. So it's there. It's 17 seconds. So there's some footage there. Mm-hmm. So that's it for me, Ben. Shout out to Comic Capital for your help. So Comic Capital on Instagram, as well as Everything Entertainment Club on Clubhouse. You can follow us on social media. Media. Uh, you can follow us at Twitter at Superhouse Pod, Instagram at Superhero Stuff Pod, TikTok Superhero Stuff Pod, Vero also Superhero Stuff Pod. Website is at BenWanWriter.com, where you can read a few scripts, including Gotham Vampire, where a young Bruce faces off against the Mad Monk and a spec script for Elementary called The Death of Sherlock Holmes, and the Curb Your Enthusiasm, Disneyland, the Curb episode they could never make where Larry David goes to Disneyland. My YouTube channel is in the description below where you can also check out my project, The Doctor Who, The Ronin of Time, an audio drama where the eighth doctor meets Miyamoto Musashi. My personal Instagram is Ben Juan Ryder. My son's Instagram, uh, my cat, which you, you can see basically right here for those who are... Uh, watching on the YouTube version. But uh, he's at Alfie Pennyworth Cat on Instagram, so you can check him out over there. But if you also have an Alfie uh, or any cat of your own, like Andrew has Peanut, then you can get the Whisker <laughs> Box, the only cat box with Crazy Cat Lady and Gent. And if you have a dog instead of a cat, that's cool too. You can also get the Bark Box, y'all. Give your dog exactly what they want. So you can use our promo link, and that'll give you the first month off free, valued at $35. You can get all this type of stuff over at superherostuffpod.com slash shop. Over to Andrew. Okay. Well, you know what? Mm. It's that time where we ask you, we want you to do us a favor. We want you to tell all your friends about us. I forget all the other fucking lines. I'm just going to say, who are you, man? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm not Zach. (laughs) All right. Bye.
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 